I formation, Eckler and Watt. Motion man from the left hash, Hunter Henry to the right side of the line. Hand off to Eckler, up the field. Eckler into the end zone, touchdown! Chargers win, Chargers win. That was the voice of the Chargers, Matt Money Smith. What's up guys, Chris Avery with you on a new episode of Chargers Weekly. And Money is my guest today. We're gonna talk draft, which is six weeks away, free agency, which is next week, we mix in a little pop culture too. Love is Blind. If you watch a show, listen to it from the beginning. If you don't and you want to skip it, go to about the four-minute mark. But some fun stuff with money. Let's get right to it. All right, now joined by the voice of the Chargers, Matt Money Smith here on Chargers Weekly. And Money, I was fully prepared to make this 100% Chargers today, but then you had to post a pic on Instagram of you and Giannina from Love is Blind and Frankly, I think that's where we need to start, and maybe we make this an entire Love is Blind podcast. I don't know. How'd you get involved with this podcast project? So um, the producer of that pod is a fan of mine, I guess. So she called and she said, hey, do you happen to watch this is when I was at the Combine? She's like, do you happen to watch Love is Blind? And I said, funny. You should. And she's someone I've known forever, um, and, and she... Uh, and so I said, yeah, as a matter of fact, my wife and daughters turned me on to it. I downloaded all the episodes from my trips to, to Boston to see my daughter and then to Indy and then uh, back. So I ended up stepping the whole thing back over the, the combine there when I had some downtime. And she said, well, we're doing a companion pod. Uh, we're either going to get Lauren or, or Jeanina. Would you be interested in, in kind of helping them host the show and kind of teaching them how to do a pod? And and I said, yeah, it's, so I just assumed it was going to be the, the two of us kind of talking through episodes. And, and the next thing I know, um, you know, there's a line of guests where I'm like, hey, who's this Rory guy? And it's like the amateur's like, oh, we'll just get him on the phone. And <laughs> and then, yeah, I don't, I don't you know, where, what about Damien? Oh, we can get Damien. And, and before you know it, everybody that's been involved with Love is Blind, the producer of the show, Chris Poland, is sitting in front of me. Um, it's pretty great. If you if you watch the show, if you enjoy the show, it's a, it's a it's called Love Insight, and she is great. Like she does not hold back. There was kind of like a a proctor with us that she had to look to anytime she started saying something that was kind of off the record and and nobody knew. And the proctor was super cool. She was like, "Yeah, let it fly." Um, so there's a lot of kind of off the screen details if you're a fan. Uh, if it's a guilty pleasure, I think, for the sake of this podcast, uh, if it is one of your guilty pleasures, you'll dig it. Oh, I'm going to subscribe to it right now. So, so Rory, Rory reminds me of like Lance Romance or Vance Fight. Like he gives advice. You know, he was he was known for those first couple episodes, just kind of giving advice to the house, and then he just disappeared. So the fact that you just mentioned Rory really made me happy. And I'll give you just kind of a tiny little nugget um, for those that care, and then we can move on, I guess, or we can keep talking. So Rory ended up getting engaged, um, but they didn't have a budget to take eight people with them. Eight couples got engaged. They had a budget for five. They made room for six. And Rory and Danielle were one of the two couples that got engaged, but you never heard from them. They were just in that first episode and a little bit in the second episode, and that was that. Wait, so he got engaged off the show? No, he got engaged on the show to, I don't don't know if you would remember Danielle. She had like really long black hair and you can see her on the periphery a little bit when they're kind of in the facility and just kind of, you know, chopping it up. The girls are just kind of talking about their dates and stuff like that. She's in there a little bit. You just don't really get to know her. So those two ended up getting engaged on the show, but they did not have, they weren't prepared. They assumed one or two couples were going to get engaged. They ended up getting eight 
out of uh, 30 people. They ended up getting 16 out of 30 people actually get engaged, but they did not have uh, the logistics available to, to take them all to Mexico. So Rory just kind of got cut out, even though he got engaged. Uh, they've since, well, I'll let you, I'll let you listen. Wow, I, I did not know that. I, I saw Lauren and Cameron at the Lakers-Clippers game on the KISS cam, and this I guess this show's taken the nation by storm. I, I held off up until last week, and my wife just I, – I caved, and I watched them all in like three days. But It's uh, pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's a pretty good show. It's pretty good TV. But we're here yeah. to talk Chargers money, and we're yeah. about to embark on a very important six weeks for the franchise. you got free agency next week, the draft soon after – a lot of questions, I think, starting with the quarterback. We haven't spoken since the Chargers and Phillip Rivers mutually agreed to part ways. we got Tyrod Taylor, Easton Stick currently on the roster, and Coach says he feels pretty good about Tyrod. Your thoughts on this quarterback situation as it currently stands and just how different it could look by, let's say, May? Well, you know, I, I'm sure they're comfortable with Tyrod. Obviously, he had him as a starter in, in Buffalo. Um, and then the following year, he led him to the playoffs. So I see that. I just don't think Tyrod's the starter. When when you play that first game at SoFi, I can't, I just, I don't know. It's hard for me to envision that that's the path they take. Unless, unless their quarterback is waiting there for him at six. Um, I know Tom Telesco has traded up in the past in the draft. I think he traded up to get Melvin Gordon. Um, so I wouldn't rule it out. I just think if there's a bidding war for Tua, it's not, they don't have the draft equity to win that battle. Um, you know, the, the Dolphins can have those three picks and Jacksonville's got two first, even though I think Jacksonville's fine with Minshew. I'm just saying, I, I think if someone decides they fall in love with Tua, Washington will take them at two or the Dolphins have a lot more to jump up to three if they are so inclined. And, and I, to me, I think that's the quarterback. I, I just, for whatever reason, it's hard for me to see Herbert um, or Love because we know how Tom is really a best player available guy. Mm-hmm. I just can't see him taking either of those guys at six. I, I could see him seeing the value in two at six. So that would be the only path I see to Tyrod being the starter is that two, basically two is drafted at six or it doesn't cost as much to jump up to three to go get him. And that's, you know, you have Tyrod for however many games or maybe the full season while two is hip heels, um, and then Tua becomes quarterback next year. Interesting, because if you can't get Tua, you mentioned best player available. A couple of blue-chip defenders stand out, and a guy like Isaiah Simmons from Clemson, Akuda from Ohio State, a lockdown cornerback, uh, a very top-heavy offensive tackle class maybe in that top ten as well. So, if you don't go quarterback, and let's say you get one in the second round or you get one via free agency, you are going to get a potential all-pro, perennial, Pro Bowl player at six, whether it's on the defensive end or if you just solidify the offensive line with the tackle. Yeah, when I, you know, when I come out of the combine and I'm chatting up the, the people I've gotten to know over the 10 years I've been there, um, normally they'll give me a name, maybe two. If I say, hey, what's your, what's your takeaway? Give me like, if you have the number one take you know, who you, who you talking about. And, you know, like last year's a perfect example. It was universal that it was Nick Bosa. Um, and they really didn't say much else. They're like, yeah, you know, I, I guess I get why they're thinking Tyler Murray and, and maybe they'll throw out a couple other names. But like this year, it was crazy. I mean, you got scouts going, man, I like three, like legitimately like three, maybe four tackles uh, in, in works. And, and, you know, started with back there. Yeah, dependent, and that was the thing. Depending on who you talk to, it was either Jedrick Wills or Mekhi Beckton or Tristan, Tristan Wurst or Thomas. They're like, Isaiah Simmons is a complete freak. And then, you know, we talked about him in the context of the Chargers. Like, imagine him at Will and Derwin 
it's strong. My gosh, you know, oh, that's, God. that's where offenses have to adjust for a defense. Um, and then of course you got Derek Brown and Chase Young and, you know, everybody seemed to agree that Tua and Burrow are full on franchise quarterbacks as long as Tua is, is healthy. And then you got the two receivers in, you know, Jerry Judy and CeeDee Lance. I mean, I got guys giving me nine, 10, 12 names, you know, coming out, Okuda as well. You mentioned him like coming out of there and that just, that never happens. So I, I think, you know, just kind of judging by what Tom has done in the past, Tom Telesco, general manager, you know, there's, it's going to be, I think a tough draft for him because he very well could have the number one tackle, the number one, you know, linebacker, the number one corner, and maybe his quarterback sitting there waiting for him to draft. The vision of, Joey Bosa, Isaiah Simmons, and Derwin James all on the same defense. And we talk about trying to catch up with the Chiefs offensively. How about slowing the Chiefs down, you know, right. with your defense for the next decade, having a guy on each level of your defense, and I even throw a guy in like Akuda, a, a shutdown corner. If he can shut down one side of the field, Coach Lynn earlier uh, this week on Adam Schefter's podcast saying the praises of Rayshon Jenkins said he's going to be his the breakout player for this team in 2020. He started – all 16 games, 99% of the snaps. You got a guy like Nazir Adderley, hopefully can see the field. Jerry Tillery, Drew Tranquil, further develop those guys. The defense could be really nasty if, if you add another blue chip piece to it. Yeah, you know, I, uh, you know, I obviously coach knows personnel a heck of a lot better than, than I do. I, you know, I, I'm a big fan of Adderley. Um, You know, I know that, that they feel really good about Rayshon. Maybe they've kind of felt like he's grown a little bit this offseason, but you know, I, I think there's certainly still some room for growth there for him at that position um, at free safety. I think, you know, his ball hawking certainly jumped to another level. But I, I do think in terms of being that last line of defense, you you see him. And look, it's understandable, right? He came in as a strong. Um, but you just see him not quite understanding angles. And that is so important for that position. You know, you got to know prior, right when that ball is snapped, are you backpedaling or are you coming to the line of scrimmage? And, you know, I, I think if you watch the Raider game, that's one I think that's just kind of a big sort of siren. Like, okay, all right, let's 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 make sure we're really comfortable with this because Adderley, if you watch him in college, and if, if we got to see him that one little bit against San Francisco, that guy sees it. Yep. Um, he definitely sees it. So, you know, you mentioned maybe try to figure out how to get him on the field. I, like, I wouldn't be surprised if he's challenging to play nickel, um, or if through training camp if he's getting reps. You know, obviously he had some injury situations last year. I, I think that was, you know, primarily the main concern. Um, I could totally see him still challenging. Uh, I know coach, you know, and I think a lot of that speaks to just Rayshon's work ethic and, and what a good teammate and, and what a good coachable player he is. When, when coach said, hey, can you lose 20 pounds and, and help us out here? And he did. And I think you want to reward that. And I totally understand that. Um, but I do think you mentioned corner. I think Nickel, I, I think Desmond, you know, certainly – gave us a big question mark last year after a great season the year before. Mm. Um, so, you know, just speaking to what you're saying about either Okuda or Simmons, I think that would help a lot on that defense. Um, but then I'll just kind of make a long answer longer than Chris and say, you know, look at what, and nobody blinked really, look at what the Texans gave up for Laramie Tunstall, for a 25-year-old, arguably young offensive lineman in the draft. And that's what those guys are worth. Um and you think about the numbers that were thrown around for mediocre offense. Not, I shouldn't say mediocre, but average offensive linemen. If you look at those contracts that were handed out um, to Matt Khalil, who you know kind of fell apart there, you know those guys are a premium. 
Um, and, and that's why as much as I love the idea of seeing Isaiah Simmons out there with Derwin, Derwin and, I, and, yeah, and I would be totally fine with that. Man, it's going to be hard if you don't take a quarterback to pass on, you know, a franchise left tackle, mm. you know, that you don't have to pay 20 million bucks a year for the next five years on that rookie contract. Yeah, the offensive line has to be further improved this offseason. There's yeah. no doubt about that. What else are you hearing about this draft class, Bundy? I know you were on the ground at Lucas Oil, and you probably talked to guys like DJ and Bucky and guys who study these players, maybe even outside the first round, players that are, are intriguing. I, I know the wide receiver class is, is specifically loaded. Uh, you know, you could probably get a guy in the late second, early third that would be a first-rounder in any other year. Any other guys that kind of stand out that may not be a day-one pick? Um, I mean, it, gosh, there's a, there's a lot. I'm just trying to get my head around it and think about, you know, kind of what what would be second. I think, okay, well, how about this? So let's let's make it easy first. What if they decide to take the tackle, right, number six? Or what if they decide to take Isaiah Simmons? And by the way, I mean the, the Chargers. You know, Jalen Hurts had a great combine. Mm. I mean, a great combine. Talking to people, you know, that had him in the interview room, they're like, yeah, that dude's an alpha. That guy's a leader. He's great on the board. You saw the throws when he was out there throwing. Um, I think that's that's certainly an impressive young man that that you could, you know, that you could maybe focus on at the quarterback position as a developmental. And what a great person, you know, what a great quarterback to learn under in Tyrod Taylor because they do play very similarly. Um, you know, but Kurtz has got a really good arm. Um, so that's an interesting kind of answer there in the second round. If you're talking about receivers, you know, Michael Pittman's probably a second rounder. He's kind of your Juju Smith-Schuster. I think about the third. Not that the Chargers are looking for, for receivers. So your tight ends, Harrison Bryant is, you know, looked fantastic out of FAU. Um, depending on what happens with Hunter Henry's, you know, situation. Um, Austin Jackson might be a tackle that slips to the second round out of USC. Um, that you could look at if you decide to go quarterback or defensive player in the first and then you come back in the second. Um, you know, there's, there's good corners. You know, Stephon Diggs' brother is Terrell's probably going to go in the first round. I think, you know, CJ Henderson's definitely going in the first round. Oh, so yeah. as you think about corners and safeties, um, I, I think there's a dramatic drop off there. You know, I think you've probably got two, maybe three in Diggs, Henderson, and Okuda, elite corners. And then it feels like the gap's, you know, pretty big there. Um, and, and I think that's kind of the case for most positions. Um, it's it's a real top heavy draft, save the wide receiver position that is super super deep. Pittman and Jackson gonna have their pro day here in about a week or so, so it'll be interesting to see what those guys do in Los Angeles. Darnay Holmes, another guy, a corner from UCLA, who I think impressed some folks at the combine. Another local kid, but yeah. Oh, you know what? While you say that, I'll just uh, before I forget because I'm so scatterbrained. Um, running back, right, is clearly something that that they could be looking at based on signing Eckler long-term. Don't know if Melvin Gordon, you know, because you already got money invested in that position with Eckler is, is going to be back. But you mentioned UCLA. I love Josh Kelly. Um, you know, he's just a great between the tackles, high character guy. And you know how important that is to this front office. Um, I think you could also get a hammer in Zach Moss, you know, in those later rounds out of Utah, a couple Pac-12 guys there that, that you could be looking at, you know, like value, Kind of it. Cam Akers, I think, would have been in that that conversation, but he really had a good combine um, and, and jumped up a little bit there. A kid, AJ Dillon, too. I talked to somebody yesterday about AJ Dillon from Boston College, who is a monster, and he was first, I think, in the vertical and the broad, um, and he ran a four or five forty. So, <laughs> you know, there, there's going to be some guys that 
could be nice complimentary uh, pieces to potentially an Austin Eckler. And that's who I want to get to next money because he signed that multi-year extension on Friday. And what can you say about what he did last year? 92 catches on 108 targets, which is ridiculous. A big piece to this offense, and I think he's going to continue to get better and better. He's so good. Um, so good. I, I think if you were, you know, if, if you were to get some truth serum, and, or not even truth serum, but if you were to be able to talk to a defensive coordinator when they face the Chargers off the record and say, hey, I want to share it with the team, give us an idea, you know, who, who are you most worried about today? If he's not the first name, you know, off their lips at this point, you know, obviously, Keenan, you get worried about Hunter Henry's a versatile weapon. Um, but, man, Eckler is a load. And it's the receiving, obviously. You know, you mentioned nearly 100 catches. Uh, just barely, you know, one catch basically shy of 1,000 yards. And when you lock all of those perceptions back, these are not just straight smoke routes out the backfield. I mean, he is in the slot, putting his foot in the ground on quick slants, just wrecking linebackers. I think back to that Detroit game and how much he was lined up out wide and what he was doing. I mean, double moves on the outside as a running back. I mean, it, it is a game changer to have a guy like that. Um, and and no doubt, I'm with you. You can see how hard he works. Just follow him on Instagram or Twitter to see how much work he's putting in in the offseason. And that's been him the whole time. And, heck, this goes back to when he barely made the team. And we heard when he made the team, I remember, you know, hey, give us kind of catch us up to speed with, with some of the, the guys in the back end of the roster we don't really know. And, Ashton Eckler, I mean, he might have been the 53rd guy, you know, three years ago, three, four seasons ago, going into this season. Yep. And I remember everybody saying, pound for pound, strongest guy on the team. And you see that. And that's why he can live between the tackles and he can live on the edges and do it both and be a complete back. Well, Money, you called that game. 2017, preseason game number four, Austin Eckler's wearing a number three jersey and he splashes on special teams. He he makes some noise on, on offense, running the football, catching the ball. He probably made the team because of that game, and look where he is now. And I think that's for people, you know, and, and I do some work over at the NFL Network, and I know all the, the insiders and the reporters, and they're great at what they do, and they were really surprised by the number. They were like, wow, like Chargers got a bargain there because that dude, if he hit restricted free agency, was going to get a big number, and and I think, and that's totally fine. You know, they're looking at it from the national perspective. And I said, well, so let's just kind of get a little bit of a wide angle lens here. One, he saw what happened with Melvin Gordon and Melvin's contract. And Melvin's not going to see that money this year. I can promise you that. Um, it's just not going to be there. Uh, two, this is someone who going into that fourth game was on the bubble. And if you, you hear Austin's story, he's like, look, before the Chargers called, if, you know, and before I made the roster, I got a pretty sweet factory gig waiting for me back home, you know, that, that I'm thinking long and hard about and, and walking away from football because it's benefits, it's a solid salary, it's union. I mean, that's where that guy's head was. Mm-hmm. So when you get a, a 25, potentially $28 million deal pushed in front of you uh, and you got $15 million the second you put your name to paper, it's, it's a great deal for both sides. And I could not be happier for that guy. Yeah, well said. I, I can't I can't wait to see him in this offense, and, and really what the offense is going to look like is a little bit of a mystery right now. One of the things I do know, you know, there were a, a myriad of reasons why you go from 12 wins to 5 wins. I think you talk about turnovers. The running game couldn't get going. Melvin got into camp uh, or got into the, to the season just a little bit too late, and then the, the loss of Derwin James on defense. I think those are maybe 
three of the biggest reasons, the offensive line. What do they have to do this offseason to address some of these things so they can get back to what they were doing in 2018, just playing winning football money? Um, you know, obviously be healthy. That's number one. There's no doubt when Derwin, you know, went out, it changed everything because he is the ultimate Swiss Army knife. Um, no doubt about it. Queen on the chessboard, however, you know, whatever you want to use to describe him, that's what he is. And he might be a better one than anybody in the league. Um, so that's, that's, I think, key number one is, is, you know, Ingram, who was banged up all year, remember as well. I think you need a big jump from Jerry Tillery. Um, no doubt about that. You got, you know, Tranquil was a nice surprise. I think corner play has to be improved. And like I said, I think you really need to do inventory at nickel and, and free and make sure you're comfortable there. That's defensive side because you got to create turnovers. They just did not do that last year. And, and I know some people are throwing around some advanced analytics and saying, well, you know, they were unlucky. They should have got eight more fumbles than, than they secured. It's like, okay, well, that's, that's playmakers. You've got to have playmakers on defense. And you certainly feel like they have them. You know, when you mention the name Bosa, Bosa, Ingram, and and James. So if those guys are out there, you you have to create more turnovers and opportunities for your offense. Two, offensively, uh, you said it. I think the offensive line needs uh, a significant review. Um, And a lot of that is health. You know, is is Pouncey going to be healthy? Although, you know, I really thought Quest did a good job. Quest did did a good job filling in. I thought he was actually probably the best offensive lineman. Uh, by the end of the year, save when Russell was in there. So now that you get Trey Turner, that's going to help out. I thought the guards, you know, really showed room, you know, showed uh, a pretty big gap of where you'd like them to be and where they were last year. So whether it's Feeney at center, and I think Feeney plays better at center than he does guard. Um, so if he's got to go back to center, I don't know if Lamp is now a year, you know, two years removed from that injury and fully healthy. If he can get back inside with Trey Turner, maybe Feeney's your center if Pouncey's, you know, not quite right and then you draft a tackle you sign a tackle um i think that's priority one for the offense to be right um and two i think you just got to score more points you know they moved the ball effectively but when it came to getting in the red zone it was just critical crucial turnovers um and a lot of those were on philip and he's no longer here but you just got to put up points you got to score touchdowns for all the yards you know mike williams needs more touchdowns you know hunter henry needs more touchdowns Keenan Allen needs more touchdowns. Um, and I think that's, it's an obvious thing to say, right? You got to score more points, but they move the ball effectively. They just couldn't score. And, and they turn the ball over far too often, especially at critical points um, of the game. I love Michael Badgley, but we need more more sevens and less threes in 2020. Yes. I agree with you there. Uh, final thing for you, your thoughts on calling games to SoFi Stadium money. This thing is going to be a palace going to be ready in July. Um, it's fun seeing the the progression that they've made. It's hard to believe, you know, when you when you drive by it that we're going to be playing football in August. Uh, it's going to yeah. be it's going to be something. It is, and it's going to be different and and you know, I know a lot of people and I understand didn't like, you know, dignity health and I get why, you know, it was it was a gift from the Spanos family to the football fans, not the Charger fans, but the football fans because of the premium they were willing to pay to see their favorite team in that environment, and they'll never see it again. You know, you'll never have an opportunity to see an NFL game in a 23,000-seat stadium again, so I get it. Um, and it was a challenge, but now outside of there, uh, like you said, to open up, you know, a, a true NFL stadium, um, large enough to accommodate all the Charger fans um, that may have struggled to get into to Dignity Health, uh, can now get into SoFi, they can get upstairs, they can get in the mid-level, 
if you got the scratch, you can get down low. And I, I do think it, you know, it's, you remember when we went to, to Dallas for Thanksgiving, you know, I don't know if that was the first time you saw AT&T, AT&T um, you know, the Jerry Dome, but man, when you walk into that place, it feels like, holy cow, there's nothing on earth like this. Um, and it, it really is the only stadium, I think, in the NFL that feels that way. You know, it's different when you go to Green Bay or we went to Soldier last year. You know, you feel the history. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Seattle is a really cool, unique stadium, but AT&T is like a marvel. And I think that's what it's going to feel like to to walk into and, and be able to call those those 10 home games uh, and hopefully more in the playoffs at, at SoFi. Well, I can tell you right now what you're tasked with, uh, getting the Love is Blind cast in a suite for maybe opening opening day. Right. I don't know. Get, get Giannina a, a Bolts hat and let's go. There you go. Done and done. Uh, I, I will work on it. <laughs> it's a good idea. A little, little cross-promotion. Cross, yeah. You know, world collide in my life. Why not? Why not? Buddy, it's always a pleasure talking to you, man. I look forward to seeing you very soon. Love it. Thanks, Chris. Appreciate it, man. All right, guys, that's going to do it for us. A big thanks to Money, and thank you guys for listening. Remember, if you listen to the Chargers Podcast Network, be sure to hit the review button. Give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. It helps it move up the charts so we can get this to as many Chargers fans as possible. Again, go to Apple Podcasts, hit that five-star review. Have a great weekend, and until next time, I'm Chris Harry.